Everybody's doing well this morning. Today is a day that uh, our dear friends Steve and Priscilla have begun their have begun their journey uh, it, for I think the next four months or so. I think they get back in May, beginning of May. I, I think uh, is the rough time period, but uh, they should be on an airplane right now uh, and. Uh, Heading to LaGuardia, from which they will then get on their little tiny boat, the Queen Mary 2. So we pray for our friends this morning, dear, dear friends, uh, wonderful supporters of our ministry. So we want to pray for them today. And uh, the rest of us, well, we're we're just doing whatever our regular routine is. And uh, uh, and that for thus for us this morning is to sit here together and look at the scriptures together and learn together. So that's what we will do. We're in Luke chapter three today. Um, 
And we've been considering John the Baptist. Really, the intent is to look at Jesus through the lens of Luke. That, that's If I could title it, that's what I would title it. The problem is it's too long of a title uh, when you have, you know, how many ever episodes there will be. Uh, so I'm just simply titling them uh, by the chapter titles. Because if somebody's doing a search on YouTube, uh Sermons on Luke three, uh, you know that's what they're going to look for, not a fancy title. So I tend to go with the text and then with the title. But we're looking at John the Baptist and, and kind of the fiery John the Baptist compared to the forgiving Jesus. Although, uh, you know, some people just want to make Jesus all forgiveness and no fire, but Jesus had a fair amount of fire in him as well, and he will have fire with him. Uh, as he comes to bring judgment uh, on the earth at some point in time. Um, but for today, well, let's get, get into the book of Luke, chapter 3. And uh, it says, In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod the Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip the Tetrarch, governor, ruler, mayor, however you want to look at that, of Iturea and uh, Trachonitis uh, and Lysanias, uh, tetrarch of Abilene, uh, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the desert. Now, we looked at a whole bunch of this yesterday and, and just talked about how there are other historical Jewish records uh, and other writers that give a historical account of who these leaders were. In fact, you can look at Roman records and find. Uh, who these rulers were and where they were ruling. So you have the Bible and you have other historical accounts uh, substantiating the the time frame of uh, of John and of Jesus. And that's why some of these things that we look at are so important. We think what the, what difference does it make? It sets it sets it in a historical context. It, it gives us gives us a time frame to know when this was taking place. That's why it matters. Now, in Luke 2, it says, the word of God came to John, uh, son of Zechariah, in the desert. He was raised to be a Nazarite. Uh, You go back to the Old Testament, and there's a specific vow that Nazarites were to take. Uh, Nazarite is not the same as Nazareth. Nazareth is a place. Nazarite is a vow. They're not the same. Just I want to clear that up so that we understand that. Uh, you don't have to. It isn't like someone who lives in uh, Nazareth is called a Nazarite. They're called a Nazarene. Nazarite is an Old Testament uh, commitment vow. Uh, and from his childhood, his parents... Zechariah and Elizabeth were told that he was to be raised as a Nazarite and uh, not to drink wine or other fermented drink, as would be the normal custom for most people. He had a, a different standard. Some people would say, well, that's a standard for all Christians. No, that was that Jesus didn't live by that standard either. It was it was a unique standard uh, as a Nazarite. Now, when the word of God came to him, it prompted him to take action. He had a particular calling. He had a particular gift set. He had a particular responsibility. Uh, and he stepped into that when the word of God came to him. And for us, the question becomes, do we step into the responsibilities that God has called us into? Uh, 
you know, what, what has he called us to do? And, you know, for me, this, this is uh, notable. What's the call and what are we to do? And, uh, uh, to, to step into the role. And so when the word of God came to him, it, it was like God saying, okay, John, it's time. It's time for you to launch your ministry. Now, another factor of the matter here is, and, and we know John is roughly 30 years of age because he and Jesus were about six months apart and they both began their ministry. In fact, it will tell us later in the text today that uh, he was about 30 years old. Jesus began his ministry at about 30, so we know that John was roughly around the same age when he began his ministry. Now, a notable factor is historically, people would not begin a ministry like this until around the age of 30 anyway. So Jesus may have been waiting in the wings. Uh, John the Baptist may have been waiting in the wings. There is some scholarly teaching, some Jewish tradition that says, not until a man reached the age of about 30 could he launch into public ministry. So that's another factor here. It's a factor of the call of God, but also a factor of kind of what the um, cultural expectations and norms were uh, in that day. Now, what we want to look at is what he would then go on to do. Verse 2 tells us that uh, the word of God came to him. He was in the desert one of the differences that we will note between Jesus and uh, uh, John, John's ministry was in the desert. John had a ministry where people were called to go to John, and they went to John. And and, and frankly, that is uh, very much the approach the church takes today, which I don't think is the right approach. It, it's it, it's the it's the John the Baptist approach. Hey, y'all, come to us, okay? Come to our church uh, and, and here and. Really, that that isn't the way that Jesus did his ministry at all. We think, well, let's invite people to church. No, let's invite people to Jesus. Uh, let's invite people into a relationship with Jesus. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't invite people to church, but unfortunately, what's happened in the Western church is we've made it, hey, let's just invite people to church. No, why not learn to sit down and have conversations with people in a restaurant or to uh, invite them into your home and have conversations with them or go to their home and have conversations with them or in the workplace, have conversations with them in the marketplace, have conversations with them. One of the primary differences between the ministry of John the Baptist and Jesus that we will see is, is John went out in the desert and he called people to come to him. He was, he was a separatist. Uh, he separated himself from the world. He was out in the desert escaping from all of it. And so let's pick up further in text it says verse three, he went into uh, all the country around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, again, he did go preaching. This is true. Uh, it isn't that he, he didn't preach. It isn't that he didn't go. Uh, that's, that's not it at all. Um, but he did tend most frequently, most often to call people to come out and hear him where he was. And people would go. And uh, so he went into the country around the Jordan. And if you were to go out to the area of the Jordan today, you'd realize I mean, it's not like the Jordan River is surrounded by cities. It's not. Uh, it, it's it's still pretty, like pr- pretty much like a desert, actually. And uh, uh, you've got uh, you've got the Dead Sea to the south. You've got the Sea of Galilee to the north. 
and you've got the Jordan River in between, and, and it is it is a deserty type of area. Been there, and uh, it is. I mean, sandy, arid, desert type of land. And so John went into this land, and it says he went into the, the all the country around the Jordan, meaning the Jordan River, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, to highlight what he was doing, he was preaching repentance. Interestingly, Jesus will come and he will have a same message that people need to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. That is the message he will give to his disciples. Now, we live in a day we don't like to tell people, look, you got to change your life. you got to change it up. But yet sometimes I will talk to Christians who will say to me, well, you know, life just isn't going the way it ought to go. And uh, we're, we're having these issues and having these problems. And yet sometimes people who are in that very situation uh, are not wanting to change things up in their life like maybe they need to. And those are just things that, that we need to consider. Are we willing to repent? Are we willing to change? Um, you know, you, you can you can claim Jesus all you want, but God isn't going to... This might sound contrary uh, to what I say lots of other times, but we have a, a necessary responsibility for repentance. We have a responsibility to turn from our wicked ways. Uh, some people sit around and they just, well, God's just going to show up and change everything for me. No, you, you, you and I, friends, have personal responsibility. We have responsibility to make changes to our lives. We have responsibility to acknowledge our own sins. We have responsibility to, uh, to change up. You know, I got in the scales this morning. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And, um, I, I've, Began January 2nd, actually, yesterday, saying it's time to get back on the diet. I didn't go on the scales yesterday. I got on the scales. I forgot yesterday. I got on the scales today. And, and repentance, turning away from cookies. Um, this is this is light fare that I'm giving you here, turning away from cookies, turning away from carbs, turning away from breads and, and things of that nature, and, and getting back onto a more strict diet um, because the scales weren't happy. Neither was I happy when I saw what my scales said, but I did it to myself. I can't blame God uh, for the cookies that, that I uh, ingested. I can't blame God for the uh, pizza that I've eaten. I can't blame God for the uh, all the bread. Now, I've been dipping my bread in olive oil, which is an offset, but still, there's lots of carbs there. I can't blame God. I am personally responsible and we need to realize that we are personally responsible for how we live our lives. Uh, sometimes it's like, well, I've, I've asked God just to step in. Well, yeah, but are you changing anything about yourself? Are you taking personal responsibility? Do I take personal responsibility? I've got to take personal responsibility for for my health. I've got to take personal responsibility for my money. I've got to take personal responsibility for my work ethic. I've got to take personal responsibility for exercise. I've got to take personal responsibility for relationships. We can't just throw it all on God. Uh, We need to take personal responsibility. And so John is confronting the people about the necessity of them taking responsibility for their righteousness and their unrighteousness, both. Now, looking again at what the text says here, 
he went into the hill country around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, this is a baptism. He was baptizing people in the water, but it was set apart different somewhat than would be the baptism that Jesus uh, would have his disciples follow and, and the baptisms that we practice today because John's baptism was looking back to the Old Testament customs and ways of repent, and there will come a day uh, when when you will need to go to temple and make sacrifices for your sins uh, and the, the annual Yom Kippur, the annual uh, time of atonement uh, in which your sins will be dealt with. So John is preaching that type of repentance in, to return to temple, return to sacrifices, acknowledge your sins, repent of your sins, and because of that, you will know the forgiveness of sins. I mean, the forgiveness of sins is held, held out, but the remission, the cleansing from sins would not actually come until the time of Jesus. They are both preaching, repent for the forgiveness of sins and the baptism. Both would baptize. Now, now the baptism would, would be a baptism of saying, I repent. The baptism that we do as followers of Jesus, demonstrating a repentance, turning from self, turning to God. The baptism that, that we follow today, following Jesus, all, also representing uh, death with Jesus and then being raised to new life, uh, uh, being a new creation, if you will. So that is a difference between the baptism between Jesus and John. Now, continuing on, it says, as it's written, the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. This is the responsibility of John the Baptist. He is the one saying, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths. What's the idea? Get rid of the clutter. Get rid of the things that get in the way of, of you walking with God. Prepare a way for God to do a great thing in your life. We have a personal responsibility. You know, if you don't prepare your heart on Saturday, Saturday night, Sunday morning before you go to church, you just might not get from church all that God would have for you. I know lots of times that we do that. We just want to show up for church and be there, and we haven't done any preparation whatsoever, and we don't get nearly as much as if we had on Saturday began to prepare our hearts for worship on a Sunday, in in essence, to make a straight path for the Lord to uniquely inspire and instruct us in church on a Sunday morning. Verse 5 says, Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain made low. In other words, it's making the road level is what it's saying here. Make the road level for the Lord. It says, The crooked road shall become straight, the rough ways made smooth, and all mankind will see God's salvation. Now, him speaking to the fact that all mankind will see God's salvation, everybody who's with John is literally going to get to see Jesus. Those who are there in that moment who are being baptized will see Jesus. In fact, the the apostle John, there's, there's John the Baptist is one, and then there's John the apostle, the one who wrote the gospel of John and the... And the uh, the epistles of John and the book of Revelation, uh, they're not the same person. Just wanting to clarify that for anybody that is confused in that matter. Uh, it is John in the book, it is John the Baptist in the book of John who will be recorded as saying, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
continuing working our way here through uh, Luke says, John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. I mean, he wasn't nice. He wasn't saying, oh, hey, so very nice to see you. So glad you came at, came out. Let me get you a cup of coffee. How do you like your coffee? Now, that is not a knock at all on Melody or Lori. It's wonderful that they do that. But but uh, John's approach was much more hard-hitting, much, much, right, much more up in the grill. Uh, as he says, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? And he says in verse 8, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. And what they're wanting to say is, well, my my daddy, my mama, John said, doesn't matter what your lineage is. Doesn't matter who your mama is. Doesn't matter who your daddy is. Uh, what matters is how you live your life. And verse 8, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. In other words, let your life show that you repented. Show the change. Show the Jesus in your life. This is the message that, that I mean, John's not quite yet preaching Jesus. He's pre- preaching the repentance to return to righteousness and, and living in the ways that God would want us to live. Uh and when he says, for I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham, he says, doesn't matter what your lineage is. Abraham is the father of the faith. Yes, that's true. But, uh, and you are part of his line, but what matters is your faith. And for us, what matters is our faith. Are we living in faith? Verse 9, he says, the axe is already at the foot of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Wow. I mean, this, 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 is, this is stark. This is direct. This, this is fiery. This is prophetic. Uh, this is admonition at its very highest. I mean, you don't get much more direct at this. He says... Uh, Every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown in the fire. Now, it's interesting. In John chapter 15, Jesus says some similar things to this. Uh, Jesus talks about those who don't bear fruit will get cut off and thrown in the fire. I mean, it's a very interesting parallel between Luke chapter 3, verse 9, and the beginning eight verses uh, of John chapter 15. Jesus uses the same language. And for us to, to say... Hmm, we need to produce good fruit. Friends, let me ask you the question. What's your fruit? What's the fruit of your life? What's the fruit that that you are bearing in your own children's lives? What's the fruit that you're bearing in your grandchildren's lives? What is the fruit? We need to bear fruit. Is there a fruit of righteousness in your life? Is there a fruit of disciple-making in your life? Is there a fruit of praise in your life and in my life. I mean, I'm pointing, as I'm saying in your life, I'm pointing all the fingers back at me as well and saying, what's the fruit of my life? Yeah, I do ministry, but is is it fruitful? That's the question. And John continues on. People say, what should we do then? The crowd asked, what are we supposed to do? John answered, the man with two tunics should share with him who has none. The one who has food should do the same. Share with the person who has none. Um... 
this really strikes close to home for me uh, as I think of our friends, especially in South Sudan. Look, I, I, we can't we can't make provision for the whole world. Uh, I, I don't. Our coffers aren't that big, and uh, my coffers aren't that big, and the support I have is is not that big. Uh, however, what if at Christmas time, as an example, uh, instead of having fifteen presents under the tree for everybody, you had one or two, uh, and said, "Why don't we create a kitty for money for our friends in South Sudan?" Just a thought, and I put that out there. Uh, is something that we could do uh, because over there, you know, they don't have two or three or four or five, six pairs of shoes. They've got one or two pairs of shoes. And two is is really exceptional to have two pairs of shoes. They might have one pair of shoes, yet we have closets full of shoes. They, they may have a few changes of clothes, yet we have closets full of clothes. Um, we have refrigerators full of food. We have uh Cabinets full of food. We have freezers full of food. We have all this, and yet there are people in other places. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have those things. I'm just saying what what John says here in verse 11. The man who has two tunics, shareth him who has none. And the one who has food should do the same. Uh, and and that's, that's where the fruit shows. Verse 12, tax collectors also came to be baptized. Remember, tax collectors were ones that embezzled. They they added extra fees that, that weren't part of the taxes so they could line their pockets. So the tax collectors came and said, Teacher, what should we do? And he said, Don't collect any more than you're required to, he told them. Now, tax collectors, I believe, were supported, uh, paid by the government. So they had a paycheck. But what, what many tax collectors would do is they would charge uh, extra fees, to, as I just said, to line their pockets. And so when he says... Uh, don't collect more than you're reti- required to. So tax collectors are saying, what should we do? And then in verse 14, it says, there are some sh- soldiers saying, what should we do? And he says, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay uh, and, and also tell the truth. And, and how inclined would we be maybe not to extort money, but maybe to uh, not exactly tell things the way they are? And that's what the, the soldiers would do just to get people in trouble, especially if there are people who made things difficult for them. So be content with your pay. Then he goes on and says, the people are waiting expectantly, are all wondering if their hearts, if John might possibly be the Christ. But John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come. The thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, a different type of baptism. And it says his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. It's very interesting that uh, John jumps over all the wonderful forgiveness and grace and mercy that Jesus will share uh, with people for a few thousand years, he jumps right to the judgment that Jesus would bring, which Jesus will bring. There is a coming day of the wrath of God. It will come. And uh, John jumps to this in verse 17. He says, his winnowing fork is in his hand 
to clear the threshing floor, to gather the wheat into his barn, but you will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. What is that wheat? That wheat is people who are giving their lives to Jesus Christ. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, if you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, if you haven't said, I want to follow Jesus Christ, if you haven't repented from self and turned to to God, repent of self, turn to God, lean on Jesus for access to to the throne room of God, access to heaven. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. There is a warning in this verse, verse 17, uh, about the gathering of the wheat. And right now we're in the time of gathering the wheat, but there is coming the time when the chaff will be burned with unquenchable fire. It is a warning given by John to his listeners. Verse 18 says, And with many other words, John extorted the people and preached the good news to them. But when John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things he has done, Herod added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too, and he was praying. Um, And as he was praying, heaven was opened. The Holy Spirit descended on him bodily, uh, in a bodily form like a dove, and a voice from heaven came saying, You are my son whom I love with whom I am well pleased. Now, verses 13 through 20, you, you not 13, uh, verse, verses 19 and 20, really you could tuck down in under verse 22 because it is kind of leaning ahead a little bit. Okay, here's what's going to happen to John. He's going to be, he's going to rebuke here the Tetrarch uh, and the evil things that happen, and John will be locked up. That's that will yet happen. You could really read it, uh, verse eighteen, and and then jump down to verse twenty. And when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was open. And tomorrow we'll pick up at the baptism of Jesus. We'll consider a little bit of the genealogy uh, that is in the latter parts, and then we'll get into the temptation. We'll really begin to get into the life of Christ much, much more tomorrow when we pick up in Luke chapter 3, moving into Luke chapter 4. For us today, what's the message? Repent. What's the message? Turn to Jesus. What's the message? Yes, God changes our life from the inside out, but we also have responsibility and culpability. We are responsible for our lives, and if we need to repent, if we need to confess, if we need to come to God and seek his forgiveness, we should do that today. Seek to get right with God right now, first thing this morning, and then to walk with him today and bear fruit for him today. That is how we should live our lives. Well, friends, uh, hopefully, I, I know I've been challenged this morning looking at the life of John. I hope that you've been challenged as well. Lord, help us today to walk with you. Help us today if we need the conclusion, not just to close out the broadcast, but if we need to get on our knees before you to do that and to turn to you, to repent of our sins, to seek your cleansing, to seek your forgiveness so we can be new and clean in you this morning. Even like we take a shower, Lord, help us to take a spiritual bath this morning uh, that we might be clean before you, that we might bear fruit for you. Lord, we do pray for Steve and Priscilla on their journey. Watch over them, we pray, and uh, watch over all of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow.